show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia. Well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Williams Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the rave breaks out in Columbia. It is good. Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina. It's gone. Touchdown. What a hit. He makes it in. Can you believe it? Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Oh, watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dabbitt. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndoco, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee, they are something to see, that's for sure. The Barndominiumco.com. Always a special thanks to our friends at Sinorama, Matt Vaughn, the owner proud Gamecock as well and South Carolina alumni and anything and everything you need in the sign industry all across the great state of South Carolina they can do it for you signorama.com located in West Columbia JC JB and Phil here until one JC and Phil will be in in just a few moments they are wrapping up uh, JC and Morgan as a matter of fact that is uh, running a little bit over but he'll be in here in just a moment, and then Mike will be joining us in Power Hour at noon. But Hale McGranahan joining us first to lead off here on a Tuesday ahead of player interviews over at the facility. South Carolina set to kick off next weekend against North Carolina up in Charlotte, and Hale is here to dish it all. What's up, brother? What's happening? How are we doing this morning? We're good. Yeah, we're getting closer, so I think everybody's doing much better. We can see the finish line, at least of the summer, somewhat. Uh, Hale, before we get to some camp notes, I know you'll speak with the players today. Shane Beamer will meet with the uh, media at 1.30. This is his first of every Tuesday throughout the season uh, when he'll have his weekly press conference. Um, but before we get to all that, Daniel Hill is set to make his announcement tomorrow. The running back out of Meridian, Mississippi, South Carolina, of course, already has Matthew Fuller committed, and they're hoping to add Hill as their second back in this class. What is the latest on him? Yeah, the, the latest is that uh, it's kind of the same as it's been for a little while now. South Carolina's been confident, uh, cautiously optimistic, and, and that's still the case. I don't know how, how to, to measure the, you know, the level of caution at this point, but, but I think there's, there's some, some confidence still. And, and it really kind of got started uh, in April after the spring game when he, he named South Carolina the leader and I don't know that they've necessarily been knocked off that that perch since then. Uh, Alabama's been a factor since really before South Carolina was even a factor. So uh, 
obviously a, a, a tough competitor there, but uh, here now about 24 hours out, uh, at least the word I was getting yesterday uh, was it what Carolina felt pretty good. So we'll, we'll see how this thing plays out when we get to the finish line. As we've seen this summer, you know, there's been guys we've been confident in and they ended up signing or committing somewhere else and guys we've been confident in and they committed to South Carolina. So I, I don't want to sit here and try to uh, put some kind of general spin on it, but with this specific recruitment with this specific guy uh, feeling, feeling good right now. Is there a, do we have a scheduled time for his commitment? Is it, is it streaming? Is he just announcing? Do you know? I, I don't know for sure. I've, you know, I've got the, on, on the calendar in my phone, I've got, got it at 5 PM. I don't know if I put that in my phone as just a generic time or if that's what he announced at one point, I, I need to go back and double check and, and uh, try to okay. confirm with him as well. Um, but these things can be fluid sometimes. I, I would imagine it being a Wednesday that he would probably do it after school. But then again, maybe he, he's got something, you know, cooking up during school and like doing some assembly. I, I don't know. I need to, need to spend some time today trying to, to figure out that, that detail. I know that this staff commonly will uh, collectively recruit their, uh, the, the talent that they're after. Um, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a team game in that, in that building, but does he, who is his lead recruiter? Who does he have the best relationship with? I don't know who I would necessarily call the lead recruiter. It's okay. to, to your point, and maybe okay. even more so with this guy specifically, it's, it's been very much a team effort. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, Dow Loggins got, got pretty involved in the spring. You know, they, they identified this guy, Daniel Hill. He, he's been like at the top of their board, uh, along with Peyton Lewis before he committed to Tennessee, it was like either one of those two guys is, is the top guy. So Loggins has been very involved um, really since the spring. Jody Wright has the area. Uh, he, he recruits Alabama and Mississippi. And, of course, Monterio Hardesty being the position coach is going to have a role. Uh, that goes goes without saying. And, and of course, Shane Beamer. I mean, it, when, when it's a – a one type of guy, Shane Beamer is going to be involved as well. So it, truly a group effort for, for this one. Uh, if they, if they land the commitment from Hill, is, is he in, do you know if he's an early enrollee, by the way? I don't. I don't. Okay. Uh, if they do land him though, Hale, that that's, um, that's another win for this staff against the behemoths in the sport who uh, they've gone up against head to head the last couple of, not just this class clearly, but, last couple of classes and 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 I don't want to say stolen guys away from him that's discrediting the staff at Carolina but they've gone head to head and they've gotten uh, a percentage of, of guys that they really really truly wanted in national style prospects what what does that signal or does it just continue to uh, reinforce the fact that uh, Shane Beamer and his staff can recruit yeah I think it reinforces that fact JB I mean there's there's a degree of, of that for sure with, you know, Dylan Stewart and going back to Nick Harbor, but, you know, quite a few of the other guys who have been committed in this 2024 class for, for some time now, whether it's Cam Pringle or Josiah Thompson, like, yeah, they're in-state guys, Blake Franks, Azio Bennett, they're all in-state guys, but, you know, they had to beat some pretty heavy hitters for, for all four of those, and, and they're not the only ones that yeah. way in this class. So, so yeah, it, it definitely reinforces that. And, you know, we've seen over the years that South Carolina can can recruit and, and sign really good players. There's been a lot of that over the last, I guess, going on 15 years now. 
Um, but yeah, it, it does feel like the Beamer staff has has been uh, pretty good at uh, at getting some of the big ones, and it seems like they're doing it maybe a little more frequently than than we've seen in the past. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the in-state guys. Let's not forget that at one point in time, Blake Franks was a uh, essentially a lock to Clemson. It seemed, and uh, his commitment was to the Gamecocks. All right, uh, a little bit more on the recruiting side. We'll get into camp. We're going to get you out of here uh, in less than 15 minutes because we know you got it. Well, you know you got to go work. Uh, the 2025 class has a couple of interesting running backs in it. Uh, Ladanian Martin and Marquise Henderson. And I think actually just a little while ago, I, I did see that you posted on the bigspur.com that they have some video up already for of their highlights this season, which is neat because I've only been able to pull up highlights from last year and the year before, Hale. But mm-hmm. both of these guys are good. And, I, and it's really rare – as you well know, that you have two or more uh, potentially power five style running backs in the state of South Carolina. We've certainly seen many of them come out of here over the years. Uh, Jarvis Green just went to Clemson from Dutch Fork. Uh, But both of these guys are are good. Uh, Do you know where South Carolina stands with both of them? Uh, Are they looking to take two more running backs for the 2025 class? And, And your thoughts on both of this young men? Yeah, South Carolina has, hasn't offered either one of those two guys. But uh, okay. as far as how many they plan to take in 2025, I, I don't know yet. It's probably a little early to start trying to figure that out, even even for the staff. Like, it's you know, they're they're trying to sign two in this class. And, and whether they get Daniel Hill tomorrow, to not, tomorrow or not, uh, they're still going to try to get another guy, whether it's at the high school level or from the portal down the road. Um, so I don't know. I think a lot of that will just depend on how the – the roster actually looks, you know, eight to 10 months from now and, and where they're at, uh, at, at the position. So, um, but those two players in particular, uh, LaDainian Martin and Marquis Henderson have both been on campus several times. Um, Martin was at the cookout in July. They both came to camp in June. Um, the thing with those two guys and, and getting an offer from South Carolina is, is the staff wants to see them, you know, add a little more weight or in Martin's case, because I know he's, he said he's gotten beyond that 180 pound kind of threshold as is to maintain it. They're, they're both, you know, when you're a sophomore, you're still, still growing into your body and, and not fully developed. So there, there's going to be some time that, that you need there from an evaluation standpoint to make sure a guy can, can actually get to some of those, those boxes that you want to check. Like it, at running back, you don't want to have a bunch of guys who are, you know, around 175, 180 pounds at most, like that's just not going to, be the way to go about your business in the SEC. I mean, look at Juju McDowell. You don't want to have two, three, four Juju McDowells on your roster. It's a problem. You can have one, maybe two, but, you know, you, you don't want to have a bunch of them at, at that particular position. So uh, if those guys can maintain their weight, like I, I can see them being offered as running backs by South Carolina, you know, whether it's sometime this season or sometime early next calendar year, um, I do know this, Marquis Henderson, in my opinion, is uh, super explosive. And whether he's, yeah. you know, big and thick enough to be a running back, he's he's got the size and body type and uh, skill set to, to play somewhere, whether it's receiver or cornerback. He, he's he is definitely a guy that that I think is is worth an offer from Carolina. And that's not to say I don't think Ladanian Martin is not. He's just, in, in my opinion you know, a straight up running back, like he's going to play running back somewhere. Yep. I don't think he's necessarily a guy who's, who's got the, 
the skill set to to maybe play receiver or cornerback, and that's just more of a testament to to the type of athlete that that Henderson is. Uh, the the name Ladanian Martin just sounds good for a running back, uh, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I think uh, I think LT started that quite some time ago uh, out there at TCU. All right, we'll see. Yeah, down kind of two different running styles, but both of them pretty darn good. All right, one of the questions that's going to come up today with Shane Beamer is the uh, newest enrollee, Drew Tuazama, 6'5", 275-pound edge rusher out of UAB, formerly of Syracuse and East Mississippi, Juco. Hale, um, JC posted this morning, he kind of reinforced what he said yesterday on the program, that he thought that this this kid is going to contribute early and heavily, just not sure how early, whether it's Furman or Georgia or or North Carolina, uh, but but nonetheless, they have just in the nick of time, it seems, at least gotten some depth built there at the end position with Gear and Tuazama. Coincidentally, both former Syracuse Orange uh, manning the edge positions, and it, it does appear that Jordan Strawn is a hundred percent healthy and ready to go. So now, how would you evaluate that position for the Gamecock football program? Uh, better than it was when the summer began, that's for sure. Um, and, and it helps the top of anyways. is healthy and, and, you know, he can play outside if need be. Um, we, we've seen him do it in the past. But, yeah, getting getting gear and or gear and uh, Tuazama in, it, it helps ease some of that, that uh, I guess, pain. I don't know that Carolina fans would call it pain at this point. But, you know, losing your, your two – most productive defensive ends from the previous season. Like that, that was always going to be a, a tough, tough deal. Uh, when, when two guys like that are hitting the portal and I mean, we, if, if folks just want to look at the portal rankings, like they're considered to be among the two best in the country and um, say what you want about some of the production and maybe Jordan Burch specifically not living up to the, you know, that five-star expectation, but there are still good productive players and at defensive end um, it's it's hard to get those guys from the portal because everybody's looking for good productive defense events, uh, and, and they've gotten a couple guys who who haven't put up you know monster numbers at, at their previous stops, but uh, they've been relatively productive and, and good good solid players. And um, you know South Carolina doesn't have a lot of that uh, on the returning roster at defensive ends, so hmm. certainly certainly big that that Tuazama could could get in, and whether he plays a little bit or not at all against North Carolina, you know, I think it's probably wise to temper some expectations there. And, and and I would think that most people understand that, you know, he's just getting in this week. He hadn't even put on all the pads yet, let alone, you know, <laughs> had a full practice uh, doing all that stuff. So, you know, acclimation more than a week out. Yeah. That there's just rules around that, that he's got to contend with. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how, hear about how, how good a shape he's in and, what what he's able to add physically, uh, you know, just kind of early on. But uh, I, I think eventually, yeah, we'll, we'll see him on the field. See that number nineteen back out on on the field playing defensive end uh, here here pretty soon. Hale McGranahan with BigSpur.com. Uh, we all know that David Kloniger he, he fights for the first question in every press conference. So hopefully he's not watching this program to steal yours. But what is on the top of your docket, Ash Shane today? Uh, probably just where he's at with, with his defense as a whole. I mean, I, I think we, we came into camp feeling pretty confident and 
what that secondary was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And there were some things to sort out at linebacker. And I, I think we know who's going to be in there. Those first two guys probably going to be Stone Blanton and Debo Williams, I would think. I'd, so I'd be curious to hear what Shannon's got to say about that. And then up front uh, at, along the defensive line, like who, who's it going to be? I think Strawn's probably okay enough to play and talk Hemingway. What, what kind of role can we expect from him and, and where things shake out uh, from there? So, so yeah, for me, it's, it's, I want, I want to know about this defense and, and kind of where they're at here. What a little more than a week out. And Pat DeMarco raved about Debo Williams yesterday on our program. Just the time he spent around him as a human, but just watching him play football and how smart he is is what he kind of kept getting back to. This kid is is he's a quarterback out there on the defense, and um, that could be a good sign because that, this is an improved linebacking core. We know that Hale and Pup Howard, Mo Cobb, as long as he's healthy. Bam Martin Scott has come a long way. I mean, these guys they feel like they finally got some depth and some SEC size to play at that position on the on the offensive side, though. Uh, a name that just continues to just join every conversation you have is Omega Blake. What are you hearing about him? Yeah, well, I mean, he's been in that that starting starting lineup since Juice Wells has been down, and you know, two scrimmages they get their two scrimmages, and both scrimmage scrimmages he, he caught a touchdown pass. So, uh, you know, you want to score touchdowns as, as many as possible, and when you got a guy who's showing up and doing that in practice, like he's going to get a chance to play. So it sounds like whether juice is, is available or not, we'll, we'll probably see plenty of Omega Blake uh, here in, here in Charlotte. Yeah, I think he's probably kind of earned that this month. So wow. I, I've always been intrigued by the talent and, and what he could, could be at South Carolina, you know, coming out of high school, he was, he was a guy who I thought could play DB um, just because he has sort of that edge to him and, and he's, you know, uh, you know, physically gifted type of guy. Um, and, and it sounds like things are starting to come into place for him from, from a playing receiver standpoint and where it hadn't always been the case for him, maybe just being young and inconsistent and still trying to figure things out uh, from that standpoint. So it, it sounds like the, the light has come on, uh, which I think is what JC wrote this morning uh, on the site. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how how this continues to to play out for him. Again, whether or not Juice is available or not, I, if Omega Blake keeps making plays and catching touchdowns, like they're going to keep putting him out there and, and seeing what he can do. So, I, I think it's it's a, a very interesting development. Probably the most interesting development, aside from like you know who's gotten hurt and who's available and all that. Like from what's actually happened on the field, that to me is the most intriguing development. This, this preseason camp is Omega Blake. You can bet every penny that you have that Shane Beamer will be asked today about the health of Juice Wells and Nick Harbour and pretty much anybody who's flirted with that injury group. Have you have you heard anything at all, or are you just kind of waiting to hear what Shane has to say? Uh, yeah, I, I'm just kind of waiting to hear what he's got to say. I mean, heard okay. some things here and there, but, you know, that's it's the thing with injuries is, is guys, you know, respond different ways and, I'm not going to sit here and say like that, you know, how how much pain a guy can play through is, is a factor for any of these guys specifically because I don't know enough of the specifics to to try to sit here and say. But generally speaking, like that's that's a part of it. Like is a guy uh, willing and able to to try to play through something? Uh, and, and if if he is, great. Like 
he's still got to go out there and, and perform. But, you know, at the same time, like the coaches also have a responsibility of, of determining whether or not it's, it's the smart thing for a guy to do. So a lot of that's just kind of depends on what the injury is and where they're at uh, in, in that recovery process. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to hear what Shane's got to say today, tomorrow when he's on Carolina calls and he does the uh, Carolina health injury report or whatever they, they call that segment with, with Todd. And, uh, you know, then again, we'll have next week too, when we get to, you know, run it all back with the Tuesday press conference and Carolina calls before the, uh, the end of the week. So um, just kind of waiting to hear what he says and just working from that. All right, final one, we'll get you out of here, and, and certainly we'll get J.C. in on this uh, coming up here in just a few minutes. He just wrapped J.C. and Morgan a little bit ago. But Jackson Hughes, according to uh, J.C., is maybe beginning to lock down that left tackle job. Uh, so, Hale, if, if that happens in Fugar at right tackle as well. So if that happens, you're talking about Vershawn. We know Vershawn Lee at center. And then Gargiulo at left guard. Ja'Kai Moore right guard, correct? Or did I have those flip? Uh, I think you got those mixed up. It's okay. it's honestly it's, right. Yeah, it's it's bounced around a little bit. Like wh- who's lining up where? You know which side, which tackle spot? Uh, I, I think it's it changes probably pretty regularly. And and I would I would imagine they're going to try to hone in on on one one particular spot for each of those guys. So I guess that's another thing. Even though offensive line isn't always the most interesting thing to talk about unless you're just a real hardcore fan, like who's, who's actually playing left guard and like, as opposed to the right guard spot. I, I don't know. I don't get too enamored with that stuff, but I know it's obviously important. Um, but I, I think those five guys, however they line up, those, I, I think those are going to be the five um, starting out okay. the season. Well, no that's, that's what I was getting at spot. is you, you've got three transfers that would be yeah. up there. Which, if you re, I mean, think about this for just a second, man. Like, rewind, go back to the the bowl game. Okay, you walk out of there. Carolina finishes eight and five. <laughs> how would people have felt? And it doesn't matter because who cares how people feel. But I'm just saying, all the to have the surface conversation on the message boards, on Twitter, at the bar, in your living room, wherever you are, and you go, hey, man, yeah, I tell you what, next year that offensive line, we're gonna have a walk on transfer at left tackle. From Charlotte at right tackle, we're gonna have a guy from Western Illinois. They didn't even win a game this year. And it and at left guard, Nick Gargiulo, kid coming in from Yale. Tell man, doesn't that sound good? You'd be like, Oh my God, we're gonna suck. You know what I mean? Like, it's just amazing to think that this group of three young men who I've heard nothing but positive stuff about, by the way. I'm not dogging them at all. I'm just talking about how it would have been perceived eight nine months ago versus the reality of what it is today. Three transfers. Not from Power Five, big name schools, but found basically under the radar, and they could walk right in, and they seem to be gelling pretty darn well halfway through camp. It's kind of an amazing story. It is, and it'll be even more amazing if if they can stay on the field and and be the guys in some capacity, whatever position it may be, and and you know the twelfth game of the season. Like that's that to me, and not to try to you know shoot down what you're saying, JB. But no, no, that to me is, is is going to make it even more interesting. I guess is like, can these guys you know start the season and be the guys and continue playing well? Like that would that would make it that much better of a story. Like it's you, you look at it as like a bridge the gap type of scenario because you know we we know about all these stud offensive linemen who who are either freshmen or, or going through their senior year right now. 
like they needed to to have some some veteran type of guys come in and and be able to to compete for starting jobs like and, and I think it's obvious that, that that's where we're at now to me again it's just like if, if they can like maintain it and sustain it like that would be great and probably <laughs> probably have South Carolina in a pretty awesome spot uh going into the Clemson game from a record standpoint like that's that to me has been sort of my hesitation with with getting too too on board with some of the hype that that's kind of around this team right now is like the line of scrimmage and on offense and Spencer Rattler going to be able to have enough time to to get the ball to Juice Wells or Trey Knox or Josh Simon or whoever else. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little wait and see on those guys. It, it's it is cool that that the three of them and, and even cooler for a guy like Jackson Hughes who's you know betting on himself coming here as a walk on like that that would be a tremendous story if he can hammer down this this starting spot and, and keep it throughout the course of the season. That that would be really cool. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of waiting to see at this point. You know, it, it's it's good that 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 these guys have have gotten gotten this far and ready to see how how it unfolds uh, against North Carolina because I, I do think that you know looking ahead to that game a little bit, th- there's some talented guys on that defensive line. I've, I've said it on here before on the show, but um, there's some highly recruited guys on that defensive line, and they haven't always been uh, that great their first two years at North Carolina because a lot of them are juniors. Um, it's it's going to be a good challenge. It'll be it'll be a nice test and a good barometer for for uh, for what what these guys can can face throughout the course of the season. You'd like to think that Dow Loggins is the wild card in all of this, having an offensive system that he can adjust uh, if they maybe are a little bit weaker up front than than they're hoping. At least early on, until things kind of come together. All right, Hale, we'll get you out of here, man. Uh, go uh, go do your work. I'm sure you'll have plenty of reports up later on on the BigSpur.com from players. And, of course, from Shane Beamer, whose press conference will begin in two hours. Thanks, man. Thanks for squeezing us in. That's awesome. Of course. Enjoy it, JB. Have a good one, man. All right, brother. You're the man. There you go. Hail McGranahan with the BigSpur.com. It is 1128. It is time for a timeout. We are teed up by the coolest club in the Carolinas. If you play golf, TravelingCountryClub.com, the cool weather, we think. Someone tells us that fall is right around the corner. And if it is, you want to play golf in the – crisp air of the mountains or at least where it's cooled off along the beaches and anywhere in between Santee, Columbia, Greenville, Rock Hill, you name it. Golf courses all across both states, North Carolina and South Carolina, travelingcountryclub.com. It is so awesome. Hundreds and hundreds of new members have signed up over just the last couple of months. Michael Manus, former golfer at the University of South Carolina and his team have put together one of the neatest businesses out there travelingcountryclub.com if you play golf you have got to be a part of this club i promise you i am it's awesome and i can't thank those guys enough all right when we return jc and phil they'll join us mike morgan he'll jump in at noon as well hang tight inside the gamecocks the show from the Sinorama studios and part of the chief sports network we'll be right back the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. 
Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to Coast Realty SC.com is where you can find our staff, and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The great Bob Fulton, Todd Ellis, hoping to have some great calls like that this year as Carolina football is right around the corner. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. and painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. If you or someone you know is searching for employment, you might want to head to LemmePaintSomething.com and let them know. Tristan Stiller, they are uh, close, I think, and so you might be a little late, but certainly reach out. They need painters and because they're, they're busy all over the Peach State. That would be Georgia for you Auburn fans. And all over, of course, the state of South Carolina. That also would be the Palmetto State for you Auburn fans, in case you didn't know that. But they paint border to border in both states, and uh, it, they pay well, 
And even if you don't know how to be a professional painter, they'll train you how to do it. You got to be able to travel a little bit, and that's okay. Let me paint something dot com let me paint something dot com and uh if you even if you're not aren't working or don't need the the work and you just need something painted i mean it's football season are you walking into that man cave going this sucks it needs to be garnet walls in here i'm tired of the white Mm -hmm. let me paint something dot com get it painted uh jc i you were texting me yesterday and i was slow getting back to you because i was actually outside painting my so a little over 600 square foot concrete patio, which I should have hired Tristan to do, but I, yeah. I know he's busy and I wasn't going to lure him down here just for that because I'm get, he's going to actually paint the inside of our house. That job sucks. <laughs> just so you know, freaking sucks. Can imagine. But I did it and it looks better and the furniture goes back on today and We'll be ready. Got a bigger TV out there, so the next time you're in town, we'll be able to get back on the porch. Is it the little screened-in area? Yeah. Is that where you got? Paint? I put a I put a 55 out there now. Sweet, that's yeah, so, a good spot to watch a game, man. It's a good spot. Yeah, when it cools down, you know, if it'll ever ever cool off. Yeah. yeah. So welcome in, nice visor. Uh, all hail to the chief. That would be the original chief, Eric Church. Um. Hey, look. Uh, so we just had. Uh, your buddy Hale McGranahan with uh, this uh, this group, TheBigSpur.com. Pretty good, by the way. Uh, most subscribers of any Gamecock outlet that covers the University of South Carolina. Far and away, it's not even close. Hats off to you, my friend, for uh, building such a behemoth. Um, but I referenced something that you wrote this morning. For those that have missed it, and there have been a couple of comments that I haven't gotten to in the Nana Sports chat box uh, about uh, – I don't even know what they're about. It doesn't matter. But the questions have already been answered by one J.C. Schubert, who's here now. And one of the things that you mentioned in the Spur Notes this morning, J.C., was you feel pretty good about the the information you've been given that there will more than likely be three transfers starting on that offensive line. I'm going to regurgitate what I said five minutes ago. Um if if you <laughs> you probably heard it, but I just want to see the reaction on your face and get your response. If you went back to January or December thirty first, the day after the bowl game, okay, and you said, "Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, man, we were a little, you know, a little lax up front this year. Boy, that problem is going to be solved next year when we kick off. Y'all aren't gonna believe this, boys. You hear me?" Grab a drink. You're going to love it. When we kick off against North Carolina, we're going to have a walk-on tackle from Charlotte, starting at left tackle. We're going to have a uh, we're going to have a uh, transfer from winless Western Illinois. You know, this kid won a lot of ball in his life. Now he's going to be out there starting at right tackle, and then you won't believe the left guard. Kid's coming from Yale. You'd be like, oh my god, we're going to suck. Uh, so, I mean, it, 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 it really is a unique story if this works out. But I, I also, you know, you encompass the rest of the conversation. This is where I'm going to let you kind of take it here. Not only did they find guys who they, they thought could play, and we all heard that, or, you know, when they, when they were signing these kids, it was like, hey, we're signing them for a reason. They can play. They've come in, and Lonnie Teasley and Greg Adkins and Luke Day and this staff they, they saw the potential in these guys, and they've turned them into pretty good, darn good football players. Yeah, and it shows you that one of the most asinine 
conversations that I have with anybody concerning this stuff. And the portal era is an over obsession about where guys come from. If, if you follow football at all, you know, that's not getting a kid from Ohio state uh, is uh, not always as good as getting a kid from Tennessee tech. (laughs) Uh, The draft tells us that the NFL tells us that Um, it's uh, it's, it's that type of situation. Uh, a, a lot of times, and, and South Carolina fans of all people, uh, at BRC in the chat box says ja- Jackson Hughes whipped Jordan Birch in the Charlotte game last year. That's true. Go back and look. It's true. Uh, I like Hughes because he was a defensive end at a high school that they turned into a tackle. And and they're usually guys like that, guys, that end up at the lower level because they're a little hard to project, but the athleticism's there, and then they just, boom, they just blow up. Different guys get better at different times. And I think South Carolina people should – and the fan base in general is starting to get it. You know, it started with all the hate for Jalen Brooks because he came from Wingate. That's the only reason people didn't like him. Kid's big. He can run. You know, yeah, he struggled a little bit adjusting, dropped some passes here and there. But he's in the NFL now. And yeah. Carolina doesn't win a couple of games that they did win last year if it's not for Jalen Brooks. Uh, Juice Wells. And I remember getting in a big debate about him. Oh, he's not that good because he came from James Madison. This is the SEC. Well, he's pretty good, you know. (laughs) Nate Atkins ended up – everybody complained about taking him from East Tennessee. Ended up being pretty good. Who's the guy that high-tailed it? The guy that came from Oklahoma. Went back to Oklahoma. Slower than owl molasses. You know, who's coming in this? Oh, yeah, and then everybody talks about Trey Knox or Josh Simon. Look, man. Well, Josh is Western Kentucky. Josh could be better than Trey. That could happen. And there's nothing against Trey because I love Trey, and I think both are elite. But if you want to ask me who's better, you don't know. And it doesn't matter that Trey was in Arkansas and Josh was at Western Kentucky. You know, some of these guys from these bigger schools that go elsewhere, too, are not that good. Right. There's a reason they weren't on the field or unhappy or whatever. So I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. I think that uh, uh, Clint says Austin Stoddard's 40 time was eventually. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what the deal was with him last year. I I think he was frustrated like a lot of guys with his usage. Uh, And just when it seemed like he was starting to make plays, can't blame they go, him. They go away from him, so I don't blame him. You know, he was. So slow. everybody. He, he was. He was slower than expected. I would say that. So, um, you know, I, 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 I is it? You know, the, the fact they came from Charlotte, Yale, and Western Illinois. I don't care. No, I don't either about that. But just from an evaluation standpoint, I kind of felt like Gargiulo was a definite. You know, I'd be like, "There's something wrong if he's not starting." When I heard about Hughes, because he was kind of a latecomer, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, pretty good starter. And, and I was told directly, do not underestimate how huge this is for us. And look, he, he even sat out early in fall camp because he was coming off all season surgery, guys. So it, it's only been like a couple of weeks and he's already at the top of the depth chart. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a pretty function, incredible. This is a function, too, of. Jalen Nichols being out for the year. And Tyshawn Wanamaker losing a bunch of weight this offseason. 
those two things are things that unexpected things that happened. I mean, that's a function of that as well. But I think uh, I think Hughes can play. I, I think Sidney Fugars worked his butt off this offseason to get ready to play. You can still play Ja'Kai Moore out there if you need to. Um, Wanamaker eventually will get back to being big enough to play. And I heard, I heard he's turned it around. Uh, and Clint, yeah, Wanamaker just kind of did like we all, like some of us need to do. One of us here in this power trio, he got on a diet and started exercising, <laughs> you know. And my understanding is he liked the way he looked. You know, well, you know, and, and he, originally the thought was slim up a little bit to play tackle, but you can go too far in that direction. But he's back, yeah, back to two eighty. I heard, he, I heard, I heard the last couple of weeks he's been killing it. Uh, and, and then what was told to me was, hey, look, we, you know, South Carolina on the offensive line has more, has twice as much depth as they did last year up front. Mm-hmm. Because you also throw in Big Tree Babalade had a great preseason. They weren't expecting him to push. For a starting job or for a spot in the two deep, he's probably going to be in the two deep. And then Marquis Anderson, you know, mm. it has, as you know, Marquis is a little banged up, but he's get there. Case, there was a case in Henry sighting with the first team. He's getting healthier. So I don't know, man. I think, uh, I, 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 I think, look, with the O, well, is it going to be perfect? No. But I, I think getting these bridge years in, are is important so the whole thing doesn't fall apart because the best is yet to come at this position. Well, I I, I I think the thing that matters is the fact that Vershawn Leisure Center. I think that's what's that that that's that's the glue here. I mean, if you've got a if you've got a, I mean, look, he wasn't the center, you know, last year. I I know that I I get that, but he's the smartest guy they've got up there, probably outside of Nick Gargiulo. But your your center your center's got to know what the hell he's doing, and if he doesn't. Uh, if he well, let's put it this way, right? If he does, there are some things that can be corrected before they happen. All right, he looks around and he he sees it, and he makes sure that everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing, as long as it's not too complicated. And we've seen that certainly in the past. If he doesn't see that, it can blow up quickly. Uh, so, in the fact that you've got a quarterback and a center that seem to be in lockstep with understanding what the hell is supposed to be going on out there as opposed to what we saw the last couple of years at times, that'll allow these guys, JC, to play a little bit faster and a little bit more confident, and and that's where you should start to see them succeed if they've got the talent to do so. Yeah, and I think it's important to know, too, this offensive system is more conducive for them to playing faster and more confident. There's not – they're not they're trying to be the Rams like they were last year. And, look, Eric Douglas held on to that center job for how many years? Four, three? Three, I think. Uh, it was well, not because he was an overwhelmingly dominant center. It's because he was the smartest player on the field and could get them, even with that complex offense last year, for the most part in the right spots mm-hmm. and make the right checks and the right calls. Uh, and I think he told, he redeemed himself in that Clemson game last year where it is on tape that he calls the play, guys. <laughs> Who was calling plays the last two games? Eric Douglas. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but yeah, it means it means he's got a good future in coaching. I mean, he was here 117 years. He he was he committed when they had leather helmets. Right? Yeah, he took over for Donnell, right? And Donnell took yeah. over for. Uh, oh, one of the Stadniks, maybe. 
I don't know. That center position kind of was kind of plus the, the 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 stable they had there was T.J. Johnson for a while. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I'll say this: uh, Vershawn Lee, quote unquote, I was told is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah. That's Which, not shocking at all. I haven't heard that about an offensive lineman at South Carolina in the preseason in forever. So it's usually like, oh, these guys are trying, you know, get, giving it the old college try. So, I, I, I you know, I, am I excited? No. I, I, as, again, I'll be excited about the offensive line here in a couple of years where South Carolina's got one of the biggest and most athletic and dominant offensive lines in football because that's what they're putting together. You know, hopefully everybody – keeps on track and all that. But uh, am I a little more confident? Yes. And I am super happy for Vershawn Lee, Ja'Kai Moore, Sidney. You know, I, I, like I said, I got to know those guys through NIL and through our events we had. Um, they're good kids. They're great kids. They love being at Carolina. Good kids. They, some of them have been there a long time. Some of them just got here. But they, they if anybody on the team deserves success, it's Ja'Kai Moore and Vershawn Lee. The, the Northern Virginia crew, you know, they, they've, they've done well. So that was, that was an encouraging thing for me. I, I do think tackle ever since this new staff got here, they're like, where the hell are the tackles? And it's because Eric Wolford sort of recruited a different style of tackle, just to be honest. And it worked for him. Uh, of course, at Alabama, he, he guys Alabama tackles, but uh, I, you know, so I get it. You know, you look at most of his guys, they're kind of similar. But um, now they have some tackles. So so we'll see. And, you know, like I said, Fugar's got three more years. Hughes has two. You're bringing in the two top well, tackles. Vers- Vershawn has another one. His 2020 year was free. Yeah. So this is only yeah. his junior year. So uh, you start talking. Actually, about him, so. 2020 was free. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's yeah, played 20, 21, 22, where he both played. Yeah. So he's got this year and he's got next year. If he doesn't have an outstanding year where he might end up, you know, departing a little bit earlier, that, that conversation is to be had way down the road. But yeah, um, Vershawn, yeah. Vershawn's younger than Jakai. So everybody else is there last year. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a good base for the future, JC, uh, up front. And, you know, we and, know what's coming in in the 24 class. And Marky Anderson, Big Tree Babalade, Case and Henry. Trovon Ball, they're already here and yeah. working. Jatavia Shivers is a large 6'6", 315, large human being. You got Josiah Thompson. I don't know if anybody's on Instagram. I don't ever want to hear anything from any analyst ever again about Cam Pringle needing to, quote, unquote, lose weight. <laughs> I looked at his Instagram and his pictures from him playing in his Jamboree game. That's, a, that, that's not a fat man. That's a large man. Who said that? Oh, gosh, who was it? Uh, a couple of our guys. I'm not going to name names because I don't want them to get terrorized online. But uh, you know, Oh, you're they, talking they, about they, analysts. Yeah, analysts. Uh, that's, why, that's why we. That's why 24-7 has him so low, which is insane. It's insanity. That's amazing. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so he uh, – no, wow. I mean, you look at him. He's not shaped like a pear. He's shaped like a big tree. But well, they already have him. He's not a big tree. You know, but uh, big you know, tree saying, "No, you're not. I'm the tree. I, uh, you're the Pringle. You're the I just Pringle. couldn't believe that anybody. <laughs> you're yeah, the chip. So I'm the tree. So, Everybody just so, chill. We'll see. I so I was encouraged by that and some things I heard about. Uh, 
Oh, the, the young defensive backs were good, too. Uh, I wrote some questions down that I saw in the chat box when I rolled in here just to go through quick. All right, hang, hang tight. Hang tight, JC. We got to hit one final break. Oh, I didn't see it. It was 11 That's what I get so, for being late. Uh, answer late. those questions when we get back here on Inside right, the Game Couch, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. This crowd, the atmosphere that's going to be in that stadium, ready to explode just as they do each time. They're fighting game time are introduced. And so this frenzied crowd ready for the kickoff. And the rave breaks out in Columbia. And what you're about to see is a spectacle unto itself. Let's enjoy. Guys, we got a problem here. Oh, what's that? Ow. Craig, Craig is slipping into the uh, Mike Morgan uh, film expert uh, trash can. Trash yeah, yeah. can. Yeah, well, Mike's never seen the program, and like you know, he's never watched uh, Necessary Roughness. Now, apparently, Craig, according to what I'm seeing over here in the Nanosports chat box, has never watched Ace Ventura. Oh. I mean, that's a that's just a no no, man. Like, come to me, my jungle friends. How have you not seen Ace Ventura, Craig? That one, yeah, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. filled in much creativity with his handle. They just says Phil. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, Phil. That's how I am, man. Oh, by by the way, we need to explain to Mike that uh, I guess Mike's on next hour. He's mad. Yeah, noon. Yeah, it's power. Yeah, he called me Mad Max at the end of the called it Mad Max. We got to get yeah, it. Yeah, like, okay. Well, I mean, I, I can do that too. Now, Let's look, go. Mike, Wonder I'm going to look at him and ah. say, we don't need another hero, Mike. We don't need another hero. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got an answer here. Get beyond Thunderdome on that one. Uh, uh, ben, ben Briner just sent me a message. Uh, Donnell took over for Alan Knott. 
at center. Oh, I remember Alan. No, not. Not. Yeah. Alan. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Thank yeah, you. I forgot. Thank you, Ben. I That's, forgot. Uh, awesome. Poo. Love that. I okay. Forgot. All right. Al- uh, I we got about, some questions. Ask yeah, I got about four minutes to get some uh, question and answer These stuff. These are very, very short Schubert. because they, they, they were earlier in the chat box. I noticed when I popped in. UNC wide receiver Tez Bryant, he's expected to be cleared by North Carolina. I'll tell you, the Gamecocks are expecting him to play. They're not too worried about it because <laughs> they like their matchup with the secondary. Uh, are they still recruiting Jonathan Paler into Lewis Solomon? They would take a call from Solomon. They, they would love for – I don't. I think they're done with Paler. Uh, can recruits come to the game in Charlotte? Yes, they changed that rule a few years ago. So I expect South Carolina to have several unofficial visitors up there based on what I told – Hale had kind of a preliminary list a couple of weeks ago. It was only like two guys and they were underclassmen. Uh, my understanding – uh, is there going to be a lot more? Uh, Albert asked if they have a chance to beat the Tar Heels. I think they'll beat them pretty good. And I'm saying that objectively, too. Ooh. Whoa, we got our first prediction of the year, oh, Philip. Mad dog. Somebody no, no, cut his I mean, mic. He's, he's blowing. Right. Big so, so, they change that. So, Drake, Drake May is a, is a talented quarterback, right? But how many games did they lose down the stretch last year? Whoa, That's every a, one of them. They have their they have questions up front on uh, on their offensive line. I think South Carolina's defensive line is going to be better than people expect. Dang. Do they have anybody outside of the guy from Kent that scares you? Yeah, that receiver. Sparky Woods. Oh, receiver. Sparky. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, for, versus a secondary that's going to be pretty salty. I mean, to be honest, no. They don't have anybody that scares you there. Whoa. Uh, they're running backs. Uh, I, that's the position I'm worried about with them. Uh, you know, because I uh, – Petway and that other kid, Amari and Hampton, are, are, are damn good backs coming out of high school. And remember the two backs a few years ago, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. That was good. But, oh, 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 wait. Phil Longo's offense is in Madison, Wisconsin now. So you got the great Chip Lindsey. What's he going to do? He's always kind of been a Gus Malzahn light kind of guy. Uh, it, Gus Gus needs the right quarterback to run his stuff, which is a guy like he's got now, John Reese Plumley or Nick Marshall. It's not necessarily a Drake Lane. Well, Drake Bay ran for nine hundred yards last year. I know year. he can run, but Jared Stidham ish is kind of how he is. But but is uh, is Chip Lindsey Gus Malzahn though? Um, I like the matchup. I just I think South Carolina on the lines of scrimmage is superior to them too, and I think that's where games are won and lost. So, not saying, not predicting anything, not making any predictions, but I, I, I think if you get into dig into the reality of it, uh, you know, I, I'll ask you, I'll ask this for the the haters out there, the haters. I'll ask the haters. Okay. Is this North Carolina secondary, which lost a bunch of guys, has depended on a lot of transfers, and has had some injuries this preseason, are they better than the Tennessee secondary of last year? The answer to me would be no. They're not. and Because that Tennessee secondary, yeah, they screwed her. They were garbage against Carolina and really not that good all year, but there were moments. 
North Carolina, you know, it's just kind of a little bit, uh, a little bit. I'm so, so, so with that said, is South Carolina going to have the same success? They want it downfield. Is that their plan? I think yes. I think they'll be good with it. Hmm. So. I mean, you got to figure if, if if the scheme is that simplified program that uh, we saw at the end of the year, then yeah, you like your chances there. Definitely. JT. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think Carolina's going to bomb them. Mm-hmm. Bombs away. They should play with Ride of the Valkyries hey. walking into the stadium. The, <laughs> JC says, in the, wor- in the words of uh, Juice Wells, we're just going to go out there and kill them. Go out there and kill him. <laughs> hey, Juice, easy, man. It's Sean and the boys. They're good, they're good kids, you know. I right, was going to kill him, man. Ah, kill him. <laughs> All right. All right. We got to go. Hour one in the books. Thanks to Hell Yeah McGranahan for joining us. A reminder Shane Beamer will be at the podium at 1 30 today in his first weekly press conference of the season. But up next here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, it's the great. Golden tones of Mike Morgan will ask him about playing football in other countries, Heisman Trophy stuff, and have Mike rank the Power Five leagues. Anxious to hear that. I didn't even prep him for this. He's going to. We, yeah, we talked about that on JC and Moore. We talked about Barrett Salee's ranking. So Mike's got oh. some opinions. Uh, oh. Daryl, uh, I just mentioned Marquis Anderson, and the the two deep hadn't come out, but he's also Marquis also been a little banged up. But I just literally just mentioned Marquis Anderson and Big Tree. Big Tree. All right, we'll be right back on Inside the Game Couch, the show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. 
Settles in the pocket. Launches one deep down the field. Wide open at the 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. It's time for Power Hour with Mike Morgan on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Looking deep downfield. Rolling out. Throws it up in the air. And it is caught. Touchdown. Troy Williamson. What a catch. Saturday evening here in Bluegrass Country. Ahead to Buckman. Slam City for Ronaldo. Buckman. The 20. 10-5 touchdown. To Frederick, Frederick, lays it in at the buzzer. That's a win. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Who started with one? Pull up three. Good if it goes. He got it. He got it. He got it. Carolina wins. Havens gets it high and deep to right. We'll see you at Hoover. In and back now, bringing the power. Maybe I should say the thunder, since I was referred to as Mad Max on JC and Morgan earlier. <laughs> well, if you're thunder, who's lightning around here? Thunder, thunder and lightning. The return. That's what. Clemson, that's what Clemson's telling everybody. Right. At least one outlet. Alpha and Will Shipley are 2.0. Thunder, lightning, boom, boom, boom. Thunder and Man. Lightning being featured in that really odd video Barstool Clemson put out yesterday. Oh, that's what nothing new up that, there. They've been doing that, that stuff in the that. upstate. What Weird. was that? <laughs> I have no idea. That's that's the Ben Bulware. That's the new Ben Bulware fraternity. I mean, all like two, I know is two junior high boys trying to kiss each other. But like yeah, smooch, when I went like freshman yeah. orientation, it was real heavy on no means no, and that looked like exactly the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the weirdest video ever. But I mean, it's par for the course in the upstate. Mike, you know, you know what we're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm way too. Oh, pleading the fifth. Golly, no, Mike. I seriously don't. <laughs> that, that would be something Mike would probably not catch. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah but, uh, the, the Barstool Clemson account is probably not being Yeah, that's fed not on my – I don't have that bookmark. I do not have that bookmark, though. No, there was a, a video of two, like, it was freshmen a, I that were – I don't know what they were doing. Like, like welcome two class freshmen 2027. Were they yeah, sitting on the hill, by the way? I, I just – I don't know. They were like trying were, to kiss I each I saw other. a line, so maybe it would have been, it could have been a practice field or I don't. Maybe know. they're practicing a cheer or something. Bowler's house. It was a bowler's house. It was just weird. Yeah, I, was I was embarrassed for everybody I knew that uh, was affiliated with that school. Uh, I, well, if that were Carolina, I'd, I'd call somebody. I'd be like, "Listen, <laughs> who decided this was cool?" And who decided to put it on tape? And you are an embarrassment. And get rid of that. I, I'm fraternity. taking my diploma down if you continue to do this. I'm hey, you want, you want to know what's kind of an embarrassment? Uh, have you heard about the United Airlines pilot in, at the Denver airport? Did you hear about what ha- this guy did? I missed that. He, Tell us uh, the story. He, he, he was 
he landed in Denver, had to stay overnight, of course, to, you know, to, fly, to pilot whatever plane the next day. And as he was exiting the airport, the lines were too long to get out of there, like the arms that come down so you can pay to leave the parking lot. And uh, it, he was in full uniform and everything. So he was in the back of the line and said, the hell with it. And he got out of his truck and he had an axe in the back of his truck. And he went and just chopped the arm down to get out of the airport hey, parking lot. You know what? I, I'm on board with that. I if you yeah. if you have flown out of Atlanta Hartsville as much as I have, and if you have gone out of that parking lot as much as I have, I, if I had a chainsaw in my back seat, that would have been done. The first time I picked up my fiance from the Atlanta airport, <laughs> uh, I had a run in with a lady there. And like, I really, which is not a surprise because everybody that works in the Atlanta airport just hates Miserable. their life a little bit. Well, they hate and they, and they want all you to hate yeah. your life too. They, 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 hate, they hate people more than they hate their lives. There's they a chick like their lives a little bit. They hate people. There's yeah. a Chick-fil-A there. Nope. They don't even say my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> like, what Man. you want? Uh, Man, now you're really you in want? for it. But uh, wait, yeah, I had to hold my tongue. Cheese sandwich out, just so you know. I can't wait. I had to hold my tongue. I was like, but yeah, that, that's awesome. He took the ice. Hey, like, I'm going to take it. It's like that movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas. He's just not going to well, take it anymore. Oh, he finally got arrested. If they ever have a sequel to that movie, which they should. You could just film the whole thing at Atlanta Airport. <laughs> you could just film the whole the whole movie. And he could go That's through miserable. twenty different sagas, and from Concourse A to the International and Concourse F, from the parking mm. lot to the most angry, bitter, miserable TSA agents on the planet, oh. uh, to gate agents who are on power trips who are also miserable. Uh, yeah. Do not like human beings. Uh, you could if Michael Douglas would have a field day. He'd have a field day, and, and falling down to the Atlanta airport story. I thought I was going to go to prison a few years ago trying to take my kids to a hospital visit in Philadelphia. They were three months old when they were born, and they made us take them out of their car seats, and we had to pour out this stuff in the bottles to get on the plane with. Told the, I told the guy, I was like, this, this right here is a disgrace to this whole country. I, was like, think, I mean, I guess maybe people do hide bombs in three-month-old kids. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, don't you have a bomb detector? Why do I have to take them out of this thing? This is insane. But anyways, um, speaking of airplanes, unless there's some wild bridge I'm unaware of, they're going to have to take one to get to Ireland to watch the Navy-Notre Dame game this weekend, Mike. This is the third – people probably don't realize this. This is the third time they've actually played this game, this series, in Ireland. And believe it or not, the first time they played it was in 1996. Uh, so that's – you know, it's been 27 years, almost 30 years ago that they played this first game over there. But what does that do for the sport? Is it – does it matter? I mean, I know there's been consideration – course for other college football games we've had a couple others that have been played over in europe and things like that is that good for college football does it help it in any way i don't know if it does anything overarching positive for college football for notre dame i think it's pretty cool um and 
I mean, look, I'm jealous. I would love to, I have a, a good friend of mine who's a Notre Dame grad. Um, and he, he, he went to the last one. What was that? Like four or five years ago? He, yeah, he went 2016. To, I think. Yeah. So he was, he, he was at that one. And, um, of course he lives in, <laughs> he lives in Moscow, which obviously has changed quite a bit over the last few years, Moscow. but yeah, he's, he works for Goldman Sachs in Moscow, uh, makes more money than God and, uh, married a Russian figure skater. Life is okay Ooh, in his world. Yeah. yeah he's doing, bad. he's, he's doing all right. He's, he's doing okay. Bad. Like yeah, right. Exactly. Um, of course he has a whole thoughts about our involvement in Ukraine and everything else, but that's a whole other story. Um, but, yeah. but he went, I mean, it, it's, and I know the Dan Patrick show, uh, is going to be there with Will Ferrell. <laughs> I think tomorrow during their show there, for, yeah, all week long. Like, I, I, I think it's awesome. Now, does it help grow the sport in Europe? No. Uh, like NFL Europe tried, it failed. There are people like someone I work with, and, and Brian Baldinger, who actually does uh, um, camps and stuff overseas, and trying to grow the sport. But college football, I don't think, is ever going to be like a smash hit in Europe and the fans here don't want to spend any more money than they have to, to, to have to go to a game overseas. But that being said, as a one-off specifically for Notre Dame, specifically in that part of the, the world, I think it's fantastic. So I love it. And I'll, I'll be watching, you know, JC and I had um, obviously the show this morning, JC and Morgan, and he was talking about how week zero, uh, sucks and, and you know I, I get it like the matchups are not great matchups coaches have just decided it's not worth it for me to play like a really meaningful game in week zero and if you lose it like the air the wind comes out of the sails and it's just like what have i what did i really gain out of that so you're never going to have marquee matchups in week zero but would i rather have it than not have it at all sure i'm going to be watching some games why not uh I'll, if i had if it wasn't on the PAC network, I'd watch Southern Cal and Caleb Williams uh, as a Heisman voter. I want to see if he can, you know, show me something again this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll watch Notre Dame Navy. I'll watch a little bit of Vandy Hawaii. Outside of that, eh, don't know what else I'm going to watch. But, you know, there's a whole it on like Twitter and stuff. Sickos. Have you heard of the Sickos committee? You guys know no. what this is? You don't know uh, this is. They're great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it is. So, <laughs> I've actually been on there a couple times, uh, calling Mac games in November. Sickos is a, a Twitter handle, and this guy. The whole point of Sickos is I'm such a college football fan that I'm a sicko, and that I watch anything college football. So he doesn't post like the marquee game stuff. Like you're not going to see, you know, Florida State LSU highlights on there. You're going to see. Uh, a Sunbelt game or a random Wednesday night game. And you're going to see the good, the bad, the ugly. But if you love college football, then it's, it's, it's a neat thing to follow. So uh, okay, little, little tip. I will, uh, I'll check that out. That's pretty. Maybe he'll have some stuff on the Jacksonville state UTEP game. He, I guarantee you he will. I promise yeah, that you will probably make it. Yeah, that will make it. So, I mean, Phil knows what I'm talking about, who I called Mad Max today uh, instead of Mad Dog. 
<laughs> I don't know why I did that. But what's funny but, is like you hit both, Mike. You told me the right thing at the top of the show and at the bottom. Yeah. It was, but which is interesting because it's like Thunderdome having to do these two shows. I know, I know. We, because I've got four hey, voices in my head. Yeah, we don't need another hero, Mike. We don't with need the others another, that are there. As the late Tina Turner once said, uh, <laughs> we don't need another hero. But yes. Um, Anyway, Sicko's Committee, I think, is the Twitter handle. Yeah, Sicko's okay. Committee. Sicko's Committee. It's fantastic. I mean, it's just – because, I mean, look, again, that's the beauty of college football. Like, 99% of the people out there have a favorite team or school, whether it's your, you know, you're an alumni or you're not, and you're all in on that. But what I love about the college football fan, and this is uh, – certainly on display when we do our segments here is that like your typical Gamecock fan doesn't just watch Gamecock games in a vacuum and not give a crap about anything else going on in college football. Hardly. I mean, your typical Gamecock fan is watching college game day is watching what the noon game is, is watching what the CBS sec game of the week is because you love college football and you can't get enough. And then I wasn't like this maybe in my 20s, but as I've gotten older and as I've gotten to really broaden my horizons, I will find interest in a Sunbelt game on a Thursday night. I do care about sure. what's going on in the Mountain West. I, like, I love college football in its totality. And I know there's a lot of people just mourning the fact that, well, a lot of that's going to be gone with all this realignment and all the focus on two different conferences. I'm not that far sky is falling. Yes, it's changed, and I don't think it's changed for the better, but I, I still believe that there's going to be great things about college football across the country, across 130 Division I programs, across 10 different conferences. Just because some teams migrate from one league to another and a terribly run pack conference by two inept commissioners has ruined that for, for those fan bases. It doesn't mean that college football is not still in a really good state of mind. I was listening to Reese Davis yesterday on an interview mm-hmm. with Paul Feinbaum. And, you know, he was asked kind of the same type of question. Like, do you sense that their college football fans are any less enthusiastic because of the changes? And the answer is no. And you guys sense that every day, just looking at it, through the 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 microscope of Gamecock fans, like has what happened in the pack taken away the enthusiasm from any Gamecock fan? No. Has NIL taken away your your interest in the week one matchup against the Tar Heels? No. Like no matter how much people do stupid things when they run college football, uh it does it, it college football is Teflon. We 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 survived an era where you could have multiple national champions, where you could have a BCS and seven computer polls could help determine who plays in the championship game. We've survived teams moving all over the place. We've survived teams on probation. We've survived every scandal known to mankind, every poor organizational move uh, without really a, a true czar or leader of the sport. And still... We're all here because we all love it. Uh, well, I, th- I think you're exactly right, and uh, that's probably part of the reason why at 7 o'clock Saturday night I'll be tuned in to UMass and New Mexico State on ESPN. Can't wait Go for that one. I'll always love New Mexico State for helping South Carolina break their 21-game uh, losing streak in 2000. 
Uh, Mike, is Las Cruces? Has anybody here been to Las Cruces? No, only, only, only you have, Mike. You're the only one. (laughs) I did a game my first year, a game there, and I'm like, why are we doing this game? And it was because it was Colin Kaepernick playing for Nevada. Nevada was at New Mexico State, and Colin Kaepernick uh, was, I mean, he was TV gold. He was a lot of fun to watch, and you had Coach Alt and that pistol offense and um, but I remember going there and going in the press box. And I'm like, I have been in nicer high school stadiums than this. I have, I have seen better setups at, at a high school in take, take your pick, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And the town of Las Cruces, I'm never going to be invited back after saying this. I'm sitting there and I'm like, how do these guys even compete? Like, how do you even stay D one? It's it's got to be nearly impossible to just you, you can't win there you cannot nil no nil I mean there's just this conference that conference you can't do it you just can't do it but yes I've I've been to Las Cruces to make you fly in El Paso which is an experience in itself maybe say hello to the uh, drug lords over the border in uh, Juarez they're not they're not over the border anymore Mike well that's yeah. That's a whole other show. And you get in your rental car and you drive, I don't know, an hour and a half in the middle of nowhere to Las Cruces. I just Googled a bunch of pictures of Las Cruces. Yeah, I think I'll just skip out on this one. But yeah. that's it's, it's not nice, a I mean, look, the I, I, land of enchantment's underrated a bit as a state. As we all know, Breaking Bad was filmed there. Yeah. Oh, New Mexico's cool. Uh, That's what cool, I heard. But, but that part of it didn't necessarily. That part of it, not so much. I got a buddy that, who who bought a house there. Him and his wife go there in the summer. It's like seventy two degrees right now because if you're near the mountains, mm-hmm. so they're they're outside playing pickleball, living their best life. Like we're all sweating, like you know what's in church. Um, so there there's Albuquerque's cool. Yeah, no, there's there's some. Rob, cool, and I, and, well, Sun is awesome. Jamie said, didn't they test the atomic bomb there or something? Yeah, and then they built New Mexico State University. That's right. <laughs> they got, got, uh, That's where they built they, New Mexico State. They got they aliens. Oppenheimer, yeah. Don't forget about the aliens either in Roswell. Yes, the aliens. Uh, yeah, I think they're, they're, next time they show up, it'll be at midfield at uh, Aggie Stadium Ooh. in Las Cruces. Mike, uh, uh, you mentioned that Caleb Williams is uh, vying for his second consecutive Heisman Trophy which this would be the first time this has happened since Archie Griffin, or as JC referred to him yesterday, as the guy from Ohio State. Um, (laughs) There is, though, potentially another guy uh, who could be in the Heisman mix who will be playing on Saturday. We're going to hit a timeout, and I want to ask you about him. Uh, He is the quarterback at Notre Dame, and I certainly want to point out something historical for him as well because I don't know that a lot of people realize uh, there are some records in reach for the great Sam Hartman, who now is QB of the Irish. Everybody hang tight. We are presented this hour by Palmetto Medicare. And Mike will tell you a lot more about that on the other side of the break. What? What do you want? I, I have to make a point here for our audience that was on both shows. I did not talk to Jamie before I did the JC5 today. Oh. Because we talked about Sam Hartman and then something That's else right. we talked about when Mike was here. Oh. So That's I just right. wanted to make sure. Now, I understand it's week zero, and I spent the first five minutes of the previous show griping about how terrible week zero is. <laughs> so I understand we're limited in topics. But I just wanted to point out to everybody out there, because these guys just share the same brain. Oh, and they I don't give us the, 
a limited number of topics on both shows. It's not worth it watching both shows. We I didn't want talk to Mexico know. State. We didn't we talk did to not, Mexico State. In the first not show. to. Uh, yeah, that's I, what the I game not, shows for. Jamie and I did not sit there and go. All right, what can we ask Mike on both shows today? I uh, just want to make sure that I'm sure we this will have a different angle on it because I, I know Jamie has a lot of takes on on Sam Hartman as, as well. And, yeah, uh, I saw him playing nice and man. all that. So just wanted to just wanted to make that clear to our double no, loopers out there. I didn't, and I just outed myself. That means I didn't watch JC and Morgan today either. Oh, so that hurts. But I was I was working, that man. I, you know, somebody around here's got to do it. You know, I mean, I'm just kidding. Oh, all right, hang tight. We'll be we'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Mo Coppa from Carolina Football. The show is painted garnet black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barn Doe Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game packs. back everybody 1226 yeah power hour i uh was caught off guard there 1226 here on this uh august the 22nd good news by the way if you don't like the schedule this coming saturday you're only four days removed from uh florida and utah at that point in time so uh it's it's coming it's coming uh yes uh everybody anybody wondering uh we are aware that daniel hill has delayed his commitment and we'll work to find out 
if there is a reason for that. Until then, try not to fall apart. Um, Mike, uh, in your opinion, does is Sam Hartman a guy who you think either sh- – this is preseason talk, of course. When they play the games, we'll get the answers. Is he should he be a Heisman con- contender? Is he a is he a kind of that next level guy we're watching? Can he get into the conversation? Where do you have him right now? I, I think he's a contender, but and JC um, broke down the schedule for me because I I wasn't really thinking Notre mm-hmm. Dame's schedule when I when I woke up this morning and he kind of got me. Uh, entrenched in that and I'm glad that he did because the more I think about it I don't see Notre Dame going better than nine and three um and 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 by those standards in a pretty loaded year for quarterback with a couple of guys that I think are going to be top 10 picks in in Caleb Williams Drake May and I'll throw Michael Penix in there as well um and there's other guys now too you know, it, some people believe that Joe Milton is is going to be kind of the Anthony Richardson of, of this year, a physical freak that if he ever figures it out, if he can ever figure out how to, you know, just throw a, a curveball or a changeup as opposed to trying to throw everything 100 miles an hour, maybe he becomes that guy at Tennessee. Quinn Ewers has maybe as good a just pure arm talent as anybody in the country. Uh, and if Texas all of a sudden finally does what people have been waiting for them to do for years, maybe he enters that mix. So Sam Hartman, to me, is in that next tier, though. Uh, now, if if Notre Dame, the hypothetical that we talked about, if they somehow went 11-1, and one, of course, they don't play in a conference championship game, and they find their way into a playoff, and Sam Hartman does what he's done his entire career at Wake, then yes, he goes to New York. But I don't see 11-1 and one out of Notre Dame this year. I I'm thinking more like nine and three, and to me, that wouldn't be enough for Hartman to uh, to be a true Heisman candidate. All right, so yeah, and uh, let me add a couple of things to the conversation here too, Mike, because I uh, when it comes to the skit, he's got three. He has well, he's got one chance. We all know that you, you got to have a you got to have a moment where you catch the eyes of the voters. We know that. And, and but he's he's got three chances to do it, but he might want to get an early start. That first one, of course, if he's having a good year, okay, if he comes out of the gates, he's not very good. He's not just going to go in there and go 35 for 40 against Ohio State, and all of a sudden he's thrown into the mix. I'm saying if he's having a good year, Navy, t- Tennessee State, at NC State, which he's been there before, of course, with Wake Forest, Central Michigan, they should be 4-0. They should be. Circle the NC State game, certainly can lose that game but you'd like to think they'd be 4-0 after those four. Then they've got Ohio State at 7.30 on NBC on a Saturday night. Down the road at 7.30 on a Saturday night, they've got Southern Cal coming to town. Down the road after that, they've already announced that the game's going to be on ABC. they got to go to Clemson. So he has three moments where he can capture the audience. Oh, hey, yeah. I'm here. These, these games, these teams are good. Here's the other thing, though. Right now, he is currently 19th all-time on the career-passing yardage list. Now, you might say, well, 19th, that means nothing. Right, I understand that. However, he's 33 yards shy of 13,000. 
Mike, if he sh- if he throws for 3,000 yards this year, which he's done with ease over the last couple of years, he'll be at 16,000, which will put him fourth all time. And then he'll be chasing down Landry Jones for third at Oklahoma. He ain't going to catch Case Keenum, and I doubt he catches Timmy Chang, your boy, at Hawaii. Case Keenum has the all-time record with over 19,000 yards thrown for. He's not going to get that. So, But if he's creeping into the top five, that is going to be a story. And when that becomes a story, people begin to pay attention. And when people begin to pay attention and you have big moments, there could be a snowball. So it sets up for Sam Hartman to throw himself right into the thick of it. And he's not playing for uh, Northwestern. He's not playing for Wisconsin. He's playing for Notre Dame, one of the brands of the sport. there's, there's, There's a lot that can help his case externally in addition to just how good is he as a player so so translation they've got enough big games on the schedule if he plays extremely well and they win he's absolutely in the running i think so yeah and let me throw this in too because jc yesterday mentioned i asked him i said do you think that caleb williams can repeat and i think he said no they don't like repeat heisman winners we've seen that over the years well yeah but i mean again i've been voting since 07 and I haven't. There hasn't been a justifiable vote to for a repeat guy. Repeat, yeah, yeah. I mean, so like going all the way back to Tebow when everybody thought he was going to win it last year. Everybody thought Bryce Young would be a really good candidate to go back to back. There's been a couple in between, but when you when you look at that next year, there wasn't. There just wasn't enough there. It wasn't a like a conscious effort and I'm not here to defend the other 900 Heisman voters. Cause I think some of them ought to have their vote taken away. They've clearly uh, shown that either, either they don't take it seriously, they have an agenda or they just don't know football. Um, but I will say they haven't gotten that part wrong. Like, I don't think there's a year where you said, well, they should have given it to him back to back. However, there's kind of this unwritten rule that says maybe you shouldn't do that. I don't think that's been the case at all. Like if, if look, if, the Trojans uh, go eleven and one, twelve and one, and Caleb just lights it up. Now he's got a chance to go back to back. It won't. I, I won't hesitate to vote him to back. Uh, that that's not a huge deal to me. But by the same token, if you're asking me, do I think he will win it again? I say no. I'll take the field. I think there's mm-hmm. too many things that can go wrong. Uh, there's always somebody that we don't think about as a true Heisman candidate that is going to be in New York. And there's again, there's other talented players out there this year on other really good teams. So no, I'll I'll take the field on that. But no, I don't think if Caleb Williams deserves it, he'll win it. I don't think there's going to be this backlash of well, we we want to protect the sanctity of the back to back Archie Griffith here. Uh, I, I don't think that's. <laughs> I say, I say, I declare. I was about to say. You that's got, not Ohio, that's not Ohio accent. You, you yeah, know, if you do gonna, that, JC's got to do one, right? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. You but, know, uh, if you do an look, accent, he's got to do. Let me, let me just say this. Sometimes in college football, decisions are made that I, I, I call them not reality decisions because they're they're kind of trendy and narrative based. I don't think science. If you did a scientific study. The probability of every of most Lincoln Riley coach quarterbacks winning Heisman trophies would be very, very low. 
I think it's a trend. I think the voters gravitate that way because it looks all fancy and they put up great numbers. I don't think they ever play anybody worth a hell on defense. None of those quarterbacks have. And when they get to the pros, they get exposed. I know it's not a professional award, but I'm saying this right now, and I'm not a voter. Mike is. I would never vote, never, for a Lincoln-Riley coach quarterback to win the Heisman at this point because it's just too trendy. And it's just – there's no way. It's mathematically and scientifically impossible. This guy's coached the best player in college football all these years, especially when you consider most of the years we're in the damn Big 12 and Pac-12. And then when they get and play a team that has any kind of physicality at all, (coughs) Utah, (coughs) Georgia, (coughs) Alabama, they get their ass cut. Okay? So, no. I'm not not falling for it anymore. I like like the hot take. Now, to be fair – I, I like I, I like the juice it, there. You guys can have it. B- Baker did throw for like <laughs> B- Baker did rack up like 500 yards against that Georgia defense. In that, in that Rose Mike, Bowl you're an fight. idiot. Baker, <laughs> idiot. Baker. Now Baker may have been the one guy. I thought he had a little spot, but then all this. Mike, you voted. You voted for Caleb Williams. You moron. Let me say this. Let me say this. You uh, can have that vote. I, I I voted for Caleb reluctantly. I thought, <laughs> I thought not because of Lincoln Riley. He just um, Roger looked, Dorned us. If you go back, if you go back to all those o, uh, OU Lincoln Riley quarterbacks that did win it, we're talking what Baker, Kyler Murray. Um, am I missing one? It's uh, just those two, right? Hertz was up there, and then so, so yeah, Caleb Spencer was, was Spencer was in the mix in twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> As a freshman, yeah, but I mean, two two guys flat out won it, um, and and they yeah. look, they were the number one pick in the draft. It's not like they were uh, now their their NFL career. Baker's been a bust, and I think Kyler Murray might go down as a bust. But Kyler Murray's problem is not his ability. Kyler Murray's problem is his attitude. Is Kyler Murray's a different? Everything I've heard about Kyler Murray is that he is not a good teammate at all. Uh, but the, the other thing I was going to say about those quarterbacks that won it for under Lincoln, they all had 10, 11, 12 win seasons. And that's, right. they, you're not going to win it on an eight and four team. Not okay. So, so let me think about this. So who, uh, you know, well, let's go back. I, I, and fit, we could, we could talk who, about who, it. Who finished second in those years? I'm not saying uh, you're wrong. I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I'm pretty what, sure I've voted for those guys. Too. I would have voted Stetson Bennett last year. I think Cesar well, Bennett was the most, hey, most valuable player now, in Boston. Now, you know this, JC. Uh, a, he was on my ballot, and B, he wasn't just on my ballot like at the end. I was talking Stetson Bennett in the early sure. weeks when Georgia fans were trashing their own quarterback. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, well, you you, you got to get past the fact that he doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. He looks like my CPA, right? He looks like the guy that's uh, <laughs> when you when you walk into your real estate agent's office, you know, he doesn't look like Brian Spencer. And, and he does not look like Brian Spencer. No, he, he's not a CrossFit guy. Uh, but but yeah, <laughs> but Brian Spencer, who I think will be the mayor of Las Cruces when he's finally done oh. with Palmetto. <laughs> Oh my God! That's that's, a, we found a new, we found a new. If he wasn't so successful at this whole Medicare thing, that's Dude, what he's Brian would be doing. He's He'd be running Las Cruces. So, who was the uh, Duggan was the uh, was the runner up last year, right? Yes, yeah. Stroud was third. Yeah. 
correct. And I can't remember exactly where I had Stetson, but I had him in the top three. And I, and I was, again, I, I felt there were times where I felt like I was on an island. And you had like, I think the Nicole Auerbachs of the world posted things nationally. Like, if you vote for Stetson Bennett, you're, you're basically an idiot. Like, okay, that, that take really aged well. Yeah, she's um, awful. <laughs> like, there, there were the a lot of. There are a lot of people who were anti Stetson based on how he looked and and just he wasn't your stereotypical athlete, period. So I don't think that has to be the case. But but I do think um you know I, I, I think I'm, I'm I, I think JC's take is very interesting. I don't necessarily agree with it. Like I I don't think that just because you're playing for Lincoln Riley means you're overrated. Like Caleb Williams, first of all, Caleb Williams is different than Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Like Caleb Williams is going to be either the one or two pick in the draft. And I think he is going to have a successful NFL career. Like he's just, he's a different dude. Now, is he a product of the system? In some ways, all quarterbacks are a product of the system. I mean, Spurrier guys in Florida put up insane numbers that were in part because of the system, but they were also good quarterbacks. But yeah, if you if you play in the right system versus the wrongs, if you're surrounded by elite talent, you don't think some quarterbacks look a little bit better if they had Brock Bowers going up the between the hashes every third down? Like that's that's your ultimate uh, release valve that nobody else has in college football. JC said Brock Bowers is going to win the Heisman. I don't see it. He's a tight end. Uh, well, but 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 I get JC's point in that you could best easily player. make the argument he's the best pure player. I would say. You want to know my here? Here's my hot take. He, uh, Brock Bowers and Marvin Harrison Jr. are the two best, just pure players in college football. Now, neither one of them are going to win the Heisman, but if, if you're just pure, athletic, why not Marvin Harrison? I just don't think. First of all, Ohio State's got to figure out who their quarterback is. Um, yeah, fair, fair, and. And and he'll get votes, but you know, it has to be like a Devontae Smith type of year where there just yeah. is not a ton of other star quarterback candidates and a, a lot of hype has to go on. you. He could. He could. And if he gets to New York, look, if Ohio State beats Michigan and he grabs nine catches for 213 yards, you might give him the trophy. You'll definitely send him to New York. Mm-hmm. But my guess is it's another quarterback because it's just so hard to win it in any other position. Hey, quick question for you, people. Okay, answer this question. I've seen this so many times. Why, if you don't mind, you don't have to. Why? Why did you? Well, why did you not vote for Hendon Hooker to win the Heisman Trophy? Please clarify this. Uh, I, I mean, well, I mean, the the Gamecock game didn't help. <laughs> Before he got hurt, you know, like if 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 he if he stays healthy and they, I don't think they were beating South Carolina that night. I don't care if he was a hundred percent healthy. I don't think it was happening. The game was over by the time he He got hurt. That's right. That's right. He was he was outplayed by Spencer Rattler for all to see, including myself. So and then and then you so you you lose that game, and then of course you don't play the rest of the year. Now I think. You could certainly make the argument he deserved to go to New York, which he did not. But no, I I have why did why did I not vote for Hendon Hooker? Because I thought Caleb Williams was better. Because I thought Hendon Hendon Hooker did not end the season well. Hendon Hooker got outplayed by Stetson Bennett in the Georgia game. Look it up. 
That's the other thing. For the Hendon Hooker uh, fans out there, watch that game back, and you tell me who outplayed who. That's also a system quarter. I mean, look, Hooker, okay, I'm going to back up on the system because he (laughs) had one of the most accurate years I've ever seen. He was terrific. The guy that throws it down the field, like low percentage passes, that dude dropped it in the bread basket like nobody's business. That's why the Joe, all this Joe Milton hype. Uh, JC in Columbia. I, I, I uh, yeah, you hear the train. <laughs> I know train. that noise. Welcome yeah. to Columbia. That used to mean in 1999, JC was not going to class. Uh, you know, I'd sit yeah, there oh, yeah. And, it's it's by train again. Yeah. Hey. Hey, in the That's, 2000s, it meant Mike Morgan might be late at Sarge Fry Field to call a baseball game. That's yeah. how that meant. I'd smoke, smoke a doobie and put my backpack on, you know, and I'm like, yeah, go, go to my women in politics class, which was awesome. If you just smoked a doobie, right? Boom, boom. Here comes the train. It's like, oh, train, man, can't go to class. So right back to the crib, you know, here I go. <laughs> This I mean, I know show. it's faux pas in 99 it's, to be talking about smoking it, this show, It's a little technically legal on, in Illinois. So. You know, on the but, app, it's rated five plus, right? Five-year-olds can watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> Careful about the reference to right illegal, illegal drug use. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it was illegal then. You know. well, I mean, you know. So anyway, I, I just, uh, it, it was just funny. Oh, it was just funny. So Hedden Hooker, yeah. So speaking of doobies, no, I, I was talking like like his accuracy is so good. That's why I, the Joe Milton hype. I'm kind of backing up. I mean, I'm, I'm like back up, folks. I know well, Joe Milton can throw it over the goalpost, but that's not what made it go last year. It wasn't because Hendon Hooker, you know. I don't put think holes, this is even. You know? I don't think this is even a hot take, JC. I don't think there's any way Joe Milton has a better year, top to bottom, than what Hendon Hooker had for Tennessee last year. Okay, so. And this is going to sound like I'm just completely dismantling Tennessee. I'm not. Tennessee was picked second. I don't disagree with it until they're until they're unseated this year. And if they are, here's why. Joe Milton will not play as well as Hendon Hooker week to week. You lost two NFL wideouts that I, I know they've recruited well, but I I'll take I'll take the bet that they're not going to perform as well as the two dudes last year. Um and then there are other losses in other key spots. We could go O line, we could go on defense, but I there's and and the other component that no one is talking about that I think is a factor on Tennessee. I'm telling you, the defensive coordinators in this league are really damn good, and I'm not saying that 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 split wide out, you know, outside the numbers, in between the numbers and the boundary, like that. It's like it's like a pretty simple deal. They've got five different things that they do, and but. Defensive coordinators spend all night trying to figure out how to at least slow that down. Now, for two years in the SEC under Josh Heupel, they haven't figured it out. Okay, Alabama didn't figure it out. Virtually anybody, like nobody, has figured it out quite the way they need to. But in year three, just maybe, I'm just throwing it out there, just maybe, some of those defensive coordinators say, "I got something." that will make this a little bit harder to just can routinely move the ball up and down the field with the same five plays in two sec, two minutes or less time and time again, I, I, that could be slowed down a bit. Well, and again, the accuracy plays an effect because with that offense, if you're running eight seconds off the clock and you go three and out because Joe Milton's airmailing it into the third row, that's right. Row, 
That's right. You know, what that does is the opposing offenses. Because, look, Tennessee is recruiting very well on defense right now. But those guys are going to take time. They're going not going to be as good, on, maybe not as good on defense this year as they were last year. They're a gambling, blitzing style of defense. You can score points on them, right? So what that does all of a sudden is, okay, so you go three and out, three and out, three and out, instead of these drives where they score lightning fast and demoralize the other team, then you're getting demoralized, right? Hmm. You're getting demoralized. And the Tennessee defense is getting run all over the field. And then if you're a D.C., you can start gambling because it doesn't matter if, uh, you know, he throws a 60-yard touchdown, you're up 28 nothing. So you start gambling, attacking them, making Milton more rattled than he already is. They're going to throw it to you three or four times. All of a sudden, it's 63-14. to 14. Five. I and think- that, that's, the, that's the problem with that offense, and that's what was yeah. so special about what Hooker did last year, I thought. That's right. You could make the argument – Deep balls. Now, his arm wasn't as strong as Joe Milton's. Nobody's is. But deep balls, there was no more accurate quarterback in America last year than Hendon Hooker. That's unbelievable. He he did not miss guys. I mean, and he hit him in stride. That's uh, a big thing for me. There's one thing to just complete the pass. Another thing to hit a guy in stride. So a 20-yard gain is a 50-yard gain every time out. So are you going to tell me that Joe Milton is going to be that precise in that offense this year? I'll I'll bet I'll bet against that. By the way, I realized one of the listeners, Craig, said, "You know, Georgia figured it out. Just shut them down." <laughs> Georgia has had well, one of the most elite defenses for the last few years. Like that's that's not many people have that personnel. Craig, well, eventually, and when, they and did, when you have Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp running your defense, you're going to figure well, it out. Well, I mean, look, Craig, t- Tennessee. But though, think about that game, though, guys. No, no, wait a minute. The common thread in the Tennessee, uh, the Georgia and South Carolina game is Hooker was not as accurate down the field. Right. Because I remember in that game in Athens two or three times, uh, well, Jalen Hyatt's wide open, and he just overshot him. Maybe maybe it's because of pressure, maybe not. Eventually, Georgia started controlling the football game because Tennessee was playing from behind. That's another thing. Tennessee does not play from behind very well. Well, in Tennessee uh, against offense. Georgia, that, that was a crumbled pocket I mean, almost yeah. every snap, yeah, Georgia's definitely. in the backfield. No they, question. Almost every snap. But Georgia <laughs> which, just does that to everybody. Which shows you how good Georgia is because Tennessee had how many of course. future NFL offensive yeah, line. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing about them last year. They Darnell Wright's going to start. That's the player I was wrong about recruiting, by the way. I didn't think he was that good. He is that good. He's going to start for the Bears this year, protecting Justin Fields. He's that good. And so they had a guy like that. And an accurate down. Of course, Josh Heupel's offense is going to look like the greatest thing since sliced bread. If you have an accurate downfield thrower, an NFL offensive line, and uh, you know a lot of seniors on your team. Now we'll see what happens this year. South Carolina actually, he was forty-eight of seventy-five combined in the Carolina Georgia games last year. Three touchdowns and a pick. But the Gamecocks are the ones who actually. Uh, he that was his worst game of the year. He completed less than sixty percent of his passes. In the ball game, well, and to JC's point, it, it was one of the rare times that they had to they had to dig out of a big hole. And when yeah. you have to dig out they of did. a big hole, yeah. you become more predictable and you become I, more vulnerable. I can't remember them having a, even getting behind. I guess Alabama had them down by what ten or something, maybe at some point. Maybe Alabama had them down. Yeah, so was it? I'm not. Uh, the, was it that much? Alabama at some point was up like by more than one score. Yeah, that was a comeback. Game. Yeah. But, that was a comeback. Uh, guys, we, 
It's tw- it's twelve fifty, and we need to step aside real quick for a final break. Right, uh, but it like it's a Tupperware party in here. When when we return, Mike, I'll ask you this: Is there a scenario in the first month of the season that Spencer Rattler could get his name in the Heisman conversation? Hang tight. That's a good tease. Like it. We are powered by ins- by Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. We'll be right back. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manus, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Final segment here on this uh, Tuesday, now afternoon, August the 22nd. Do the math. College football is right around the corner inside the Gamecocks the show. Power Hour here presented by Palmetto Medicare. Yeah, uh, we talk so much about Brian Spencer. We give him a hard time. The future mayor of Las Cruces, New Mexico. But uh, in all seriousness, he's a South Carolinian through and through. Been there his whole life. I've known him for over 20 years. He's been running Palmetto Medicare since 2005. Uh, The the website is palmetto-medicare.com. Palmetto-medicare.com. You can also call him at 803-960-9484. It doesn't cost you anything to find out 
uh, what the best plan for you might be. So it's a phone call that certainly is worth making, and I can't think of a better guy to call in order for any of your Medicare needs, uh, your your family, uh, a loved one, anybody in that that age range, six you know, sixties, mid sixties. You want to make sure you've got the best thing out there for you, and if you just leave it up to the wrong advice, you could get screwed. 803-960-9484. That's Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare, palmetto-medicare.com. All right, Spencer Rattler. Uh, I mentioned earlier in 2020 he had begun his he had begun to creep into the Heisman conversation under Lincoln. I know we've only got about four minutes to have this conversation. So the hard out, are we, are we on the clock? Well, I've got some <laughs> things I've got to take care of. And, yeah. Jay, Jamie uh, and I've got some business lunch today. Oh, I've some money. Get some meeting yeah, okay. about some money. Today. I, uh, I respect that. I got to go all the way to Harbison Boulevard too. And it's 112 degrees. Yeah. I, I know that street very well. I lived right off it. Yeah. <laughs> But, Mike, I mentioned earlier that Sam Hartman will have three lead opportunities. So will Spencer Rattler in the month of September because college game day is in town for the ball game next weekend in Charlotte against North Carolina. And North Carolina is not an elite defense in any stretch of the imagination. But the hype around game one will matter. If you go out there and show out, you will catch some eyeballs. He's got two road trips, though, Athens and Tennessee, and then uh, Mississippi State and Furman sandwiched in there at home. Is there a scenario in your mind that could unfold where Spencer Rattler would be the first name to be whispered for to be in the conversation since probably Marcus uh, maybe 12 years ago or so? Look, if the, the opportunities are there, okay, it starts in week one and you have got almost an exclusive audience for that game, okay? So, and you're going up against a guy that everybody – is convinced is a top 10 draft pick and could battle for number one overall in Drake may. So you, you win that game possibly in a shootout, who knows? Um, and you put up numbers and then you go up against the mighty bulldogs of Georgia and you do something similar and somehow pull off a win there. You're more than in the discussion. You're one of the leaders on the board. There's no question. So the opportunities are there. There, this whole like, well, can't win it at Carolina because you're not getting the same amount of hype. No, you you create your own hype. You perform in the biggest mm-hmm. games, on the biggest stages, and you don't need that much hype at that point. You don't need Steve Fink out there, you know, emailing postcards saying vote vote Spencer Rattler for Heisman. Like the voters will catch on. The 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 game day crew will catch on. It, it it'll it snowballs quickly. Remember, nobody knew who the hell Johnny Manziel was. Very few right. people knew much about Cam Newton. Very few people knew much about Kyler. Well, they knew about Kyler Murray and recruiting and the transfer, but but all those guys, like it just it just happened organically. It wasn't like everybody had them ordained as the Heisman guy at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, yeah, there's no question Spencer could do that. I mean, right now, remember, nobody even picked him All SEC first team, second team, third team. So, if you don't have a chip on your shoulder over that, I don't know what's going to have it. I mean, he's going to have that that chip and he's going to have the opportunity to prove a lot of people wrong uh just a few moments ago amarian brown speaking on spencer rattler he said quote i don't think i've ever seen a quarterback prepare this well and hopefully that is good news 
for uh, the future of South Carolina football. I, I, I agree with you, Mike. I think that there is a, they have to win the games. I don't think they have to go undefeated necessarily. Can't get your ass beat on the road one weekend. Can't go to Georgia and lose 40 to 10. But Rattler, you know, had a nice game or something like that. Like they have to play well and they have to probably win four games in September. And he has to play exceptionally well in every one of those games. And then I, I, I agree. I, I think that people will begin to remove their doubt of him. They, they, have spent three years doubting this guy. Yeah. And he can bring back 2020. And can I just say one thing, and this might not be a popular uh, opinion in the room, but you, you can't blame all of Spencer's inadequacies at the early part of the year on the offensive coordinator. Like, there were just some balls that he was inaccurate on. Okay, that's that's not the OC's fault. Spencer Rattler needs to play better for 12 weeks. Okay? Uh, if you're being completely 100% honest about sure. it, and it wasn't all the OC. Like Spencer Rattler missed some throws early part of last year. I remember watching the games and thinking, "What this this is not the guy that I heard all about." Like, what what's the deal here? So he knows that. I mean, he needs to he needs to play like the Spencer Rattler of November and not the one of September and October uh, in twenty twenty three. Yeah, if he plays like Spencer Rattler of Tennessee and Clemson, yeah, he's going to be in New York. Uh, if he plays like that for twelve games, and they keep winning. Yeah, and, and, and they, they keep you know, winning. Sam, you know, if who? Does, yeah, if he does it against the Tar Heels, he does it against Georgia. Caleb, and who? Those, and, and then those swing games, like, you just got to win more than you lose. Again, you, you can't, you know, you can't have the – everybody has a mulligan. Almost everybody has a mulligan. Like, the Florida game was the mulligan last year, but, but you, you, you can't have two. You can't have two of them. No. Yeah, no. there was a Florida and a Missouri game. Yeah, last yeah, you year can't do a Florida them. and a Missouri. They're those right. Yeah, right. So you got to beat Missouri. Yeah, I also think when you're, a, especially if you're a quarterback and you're confused, and your other teammates are confused, you're probably. Not I I agree with I I know I know what you're saying, JC. I, but I but I do know that he missed some balls. I mean, he's not a he, robot. You know, he's not hitting he's not hitting hooker uh, accuracy wise. Well, there, there you go. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like I I I think I think he's going to have a great year. Let me just say that on the record. I just I, I don't buy that everything that went wrong for Spencer Rattler last year was on the on the OC. Like I think that's convenient, and I think I think no, at the I end mean, of the day, he would tell you he he could have played better. Well, early part of the year. Well, think about it. When they fixed the offense, the, the offense was fixed by the Clemson game. He threw a pick six, and then one of the worst throws I've ever seen in my life, Yeah, right yeah. to the Clemson guy in the end zone. So, yeah, he, he wasn't right. flawless, but uh, yeah. I think it was it was frustrating to me because I think, I think what was going on scheme-wise early, it was just so limiting all the way around for everybody. Yeah, and it was unnecessary to and do that. They proved it at the end of the year. It was unnecessary to do all this. Hundred percent. And and keep this in mind too. Like with all due respect to Oklahoma, and of course we all know that that the fans wanted somebody else in there who's now the Heisman reigning Heisman Trophy candidate uh, winner. Uh, it was his first year in the SEC. I mean, we already talked about Big Twelve defense versus SEC defense. It's two different animals. So he wasn't going to just go into the SEC uh, with with the limited amount of reps underneath his belt um, and, and losing maybe some confidence after losing the starting job in Norman. He wasn't just going to go in there and tear it up. But this year, the wow factor is gone. He has seen it all, and he has pulled off two of the biggest wins. I think we could look at those Tennessee and Clemson wins five years from now, ten years from now, as two of the biggest wins in program history. I mean, if, if Shane Beamer continues on the on the track that he is on and the momentum continues to go, 
we will look back at those two games and say that was the watershed moment for this program. Wait till you see Lenora Sellers, Mike. Yeah. Wait. Heard a lot of good things. Well, wait till you see him. Okay. Mike's a quarterback. Mike loves quarterbacks. I do. All right. I got to bounce, guys, because I got to go to Harbison. Good luck. Okay. There you go. Go go to the merry-go-round inside the Columbiana Mall. I think it's still there. (laughs) Yeah. And don't forget your vest, the bulletproof one. Make sure you oh jeez! Golly, yeah. that's wow. at every that's at every mall. I mean, yeah, I don't happening. go to I don't go to malls much. I'm not. Well, a mall I have a hundred reasons why I don't go to malls, but yeah, there's certain malls in Atlanta. No thanks. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks. I will say I like to go to the Citadel Mall down here because I love Belks. I'm a big Belk fan. Okay. And uh, I like to go to Belk. And my kids like Belks, and they like the escalators. And I think Belk would be a great sponsor for this show. Yeah, I don't consider but, visiting anchor department stores without actually venturing into the mall proper, going to oh, the mall. Okay, that's a fair. That's a fair. Oh uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of cheating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's just in the belt, you run out. You know, fair enough. Get, you got to go out. in there and get one of the little ladies to at least like you know pencil down your th- your toes or something while you're there. Right? You, you got to go by the food court. You got to go by the food court, and you have to have a lady unnecessarily spray perfume at you and try to make you buy it. <laughs> Hurry up and buy. That's right. That's right. All right, it's Mike. A, ladies and ladies trying to feed you chicken as well as rub. Oh head. yeah. Oh the little yeah. No doubt. Uh, chicken. No thanks. No thanks. Come chicken. on, you try one. No, no. it's okay. I'm good. good. Just one. I'm, I've got Chick Fil A. No chicken. No. Yeah, had enough awesome. of you. All right, Mike. As always, thank you. We're getting closer and closer. Yeah, and man. Closer. Always enjoy it with you guys. Look forward to uh, Thursday, another Power yeah. Hour. Thank you, brother. There you go. Right. Thanks, you guys. Mike. The Golden Tones uh, Power Hour brought to you as Mike has already mentioned, presented by Palmetto Medicare eight zero three nine six zero nine four eight four. We are built by the Barndo Co. And live always from the Sinorama Studios. Thanks to Hale McGranahan. Back tomorrow at 11, Beamer at 11 or at 1.30 today. We'll recap it here on Inside the Gamecocks tomorrow. See you then.